0: Welcome to the Millennial Reset Podcast. Stories of everyday millennials that are redefining success and happiness. Those that have decided to face those subconscious limiting beliefs head on and take the path less traveled to hit reset. Stories that inspire you to take the leap to pursue the passions, dreams, and goals of your inner child and not the expectations of society. If you're new here, welcome. You found your people. I'm your host, Peter Goose, burnt-out millennial turned human design and mindset coach, and it's now my mission to create a space to have the conversations out loud around millennial burnout and mindset, and inspire and empower my fellow millennial besties to decondition from the programs that keep so many of us stuck and rediscover your most authentic identity, or in other words, the millennial reset. And I'm so glad you're here. All right, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Millennial Reset Podcast. I'm so excited for my guest today, Luisa Batiz. Luisa has an amazing Millennial Reset story. She left the world of corporate, and now she is out in Honduras building her own eco-sanctuary off-grid Airbnb. For other folks that are ready to disconnect and return back to yourself, so I'm so excited to hear this story and share it with you all today. Louisa, welcome to the Millennial Reset Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Peter. It is such an honor to be here having this conversation with you. When I saw your TikTok, I was like, "Yes, I feel (laughs) all of this." Yes, like why are people still doing this? Like this is a sham. Yeah. The, the, scam is, the scam is the work-life thing like work-life balance like what is that that's a whole nother conversation for oh yeah <laughs>
0: the conversations are happening though it's a starting point for sure
1: listen listen we're in the beginning
0: of that whole world and journey. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking about journey, you have had quite the journey, my friend. And uh, before we dive into your full story here, let's just kind of set the foundation. When you think about like your millennial reset, the millennial reset is all about redefining success and happiness, stepping back into your most authentic identity. And when you think about your identity today, like who is Louisa? What makes up your identity today?
1: Uh, so today I am a human being like really focused on being and not so much of a human doing Mm. I think before in the past like my entire life was centered around my career um the things that I was doing like I basically put all my value in my productivity
2: um
1: and I had moments where I didn't feel as productive as I needed to be in the world but I felt like part of that was stuff that was programmed into me that wasn't necessarily like who I was. And so I've been on like a journey for like the last like five, six years and really trying to figure out like, who am I as a human being, you know, and what kind of impact do I want to have in the world? What kind of world do I want to actually live in? So I think sometimes, especially when it comes to capitalism and just the way people really tie themselves up to their job titles. Like even when people ask people, who are you? It's usually yeah. what their job is. And it's like, no, I don't want to be defined by my job because what happens when you lose that job? And I think people had that experience during a pandemic when they did lose their jobs and
2: mm-hmm. some
1: people fell apart during that time period. Um, I'm happy to say that I didn't fall apart during that time period because I was doing the work to really figure out like, who am I outside of like these titles and accolades? Um, And so today I like to say that I'm a human being. I'm a spirit having a human experience. Yeah, And I've been really fortified in that. Whereas like, who am I in my core? I'm a reflection of you. You're a reflection of me. I'm nature. That's who I am today.
0: You are my people is who you are. I love you. Um, but yeah, I mean, you bring up such a good point there already around like this belief that so many of us have as millennials that like, we have been programmed and taught that our self-worth comes from our level of productivity. And it's like, when you Mm -hmm. step away from that belief, or if you are one of those people who was like, okay, I'm ready to quit my job and do something different. You have to be prepared to face your identity when your identity is no longer based on doing a job title for somebody else. Right. Mm hmm. Oh, so, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: so, okay, so let's back up a little bit now. So we know a little bit about who you are and uh, your kind of reinvention of yourself, of this amazing thing that you're doing in Honduras. But take us back, let's say like, I don't know, five years ago. What were you doing before this shift? And what kind of caused you to hit that brick wall of millennial burnout?
1: Um, so five years ago, um, I was working in recruitment, I was the director of recruitment of a really large charter school network in new york city mm-hmm. and i was working during a time of rapid expansion so we went from five schools to 15 schools while i was there oh, wow. um and during that time period for me like when i think about um when i think about what was success for me it was making six figures um having the really fancy title and having the business card um, I grew up in a low-income community, and so most of the people around me, um, in terms of like the people I grew up with, like a lot of people work blue-collar jobs. And so to get to mm. this place where I could be a college graduate and have a master's degree, like I did all of the things that I was supposed to do in life. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, like according to like what I wanted out of life, um, I should have been extremely happy. I had the six-figure job. I had the great title. I was highly respected in the work that I was doing. I was managing a very successful team um, that was hiring over 500 people a year and hiring really great people. Um, And I was doing really powerful work. But by all means, I should have been really happy. But instead, I was super depressed, highly medicated in order to get through the function of everything I was doing day to day. And so for me during that time period I realized that this wasn't the dream like I don't know people I don't know if you're familiar with Meek Mill but Meek Mill has a song called Dreams and Nightmares Hmm. and the first line of the song he says I used to pray for times like this and like and I just remember like I would say that over and over again to myself because I was like I used to pray for this like this was my dream like my dream was literally to be here and to be in a space where I was set up to climb the ladder and eventually become, you know, a CEO of a company or a chief talent officer. And I was right on that pathway, right on that trajectory. And I just had like a moment where I was like, this is not the life I want for myself. I'm absolutely depressed. Um, There's just so much pressure on me and I don't even know why I have all of this pressure on me. Um, I just found myself being extremely unhappy. I wasn't eating well. I didn't get a chance to like go out and take care of myself, go to the gym. Like, I was just running. I was just jumping up and running to get to work. Like I was in the shower and I would think about emails I didn't finish. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this, this is not the life that I want to live. Like, this is absolutely insane. Like, this is not living. And I remember there was a moment where I was working with someone and the woman actually passed away. Oh, wow. Um, from she had like she had some of her own challenges, I don't really know fully what happened, but I just remember she passed away, and literally like within like less than a week, my team was posting her job oh my and i gosh. just rem- I just remember having i just remember understanding that like you know life is short, yeah I don't, like if I passed away like the business and this company has to continue to run this organization has to still run so why am I here sacrificing my life to do this it doesn't
0: make sense yeah yeah it's it's you know it's like this this chase that we get into right we're always chasing this thing that's happening out here this uh, job title, this advancement in our careers, and then, you know, I think what you're talking about is what so many people are going to resonate with is, like, there eventually comes that moment where you're just like, wait a second, do I really want the thing out here, or do I want to simply feel a different way in here? And so, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's, like, millennial-specific or not, but it's it's, I see it in myself all the time, too, and it was, like, one of the biggest aha moments for me of, like, wait a second, I actually, I was telling this story the other day. It's like, what, a month before I quit my job, if I would have stuck it around for, what, two more months, I would have gotten, like, one of the biggest bonuses of my career. But I said, you know what? I just don't care. I just don't care anymore. And, like, I was already at that point where I made the decision to say, me being able to feel happy and joyful again is worth more than this bonus paycheck over here and so that's what made me you know make that final decision so yeah um so yeah what was it for you then i i you're all gonna love this story i kind of already know a little bit of and i was so excited for luisa, luisa to share this but share the moment for you of when you knew there was no going back to your old self the moment that you knew you were no longer gonna take this you could no longer do this for the next 30 years of your life and something had to change
1: Yeah. So I was on my way to meet with my supervisor and there were some things happening internally within the organization. Um, and me being the director of recruitment, I had to almost like be the bearer of bad news.
2: Um,
1: and I just remember sitting there in the meeting and I was told that like, we, we would need to actually like let go of like a huge group of people because there wasn't like enough funds at the time, like in the budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And one, that's just a really sucky position to be in. Um, But what I also felt too, like in that moment was, I'm I'm really tired. I actually can't do this anymore. And I don't even really know fully what happened. It's like my body just kind of made a decision for me Mm. where my body was like, I just remember just kind of blurting out like, I... I have to stop working. I'm gonna start a farm in Honduras. Like it was so random. It was like, it was kind of like one of those things where I remember my supervisor kind of looking at me like, I know this is a very stressful moment, but you should think about this a bit more. Like (laughs) (laughs) like, I know this is a lot to take in, but what like you want to leave and start a farm like you don't even know anything about farming what do you (laughs) mean like you want to get up and start like what what you're like nope too late
0: the words have come out of my mouth we're not going back now
1: (laughs) yeah it was just one of those things where i just kind of like my body just kind of took over and it was like no you can't do this anymore i think i was already coming on possibly like two days of like sleepless nights um what I also felt for myself is I felt like I had to constantly wear a mask and hide like who I was as a person. Like I don't I don't feel like I had space to be my full authentic self. And I think especially when people are navigating roles, especially when they're in like leadership roles, there's just like a certain way you have to carry yourself
2: yeah. at
1: all times, especially when you're a leader. Um and I think that's important to, to be able to carry yourself in a certain manner, but for me, it was just becoming so daunting to have to con- to have to constantly wear a mask the whole yeah. time. Like I was like, I don't, I don't even know who I am anymore. But in that moment, sitting across from my boss, like my real self came out and it was just like, you can't do this anymore because if you continue doing this, like you're going to literally die if you mm-hmm. keep doing this. At least that's what it felt like in my body where yeah. I, I couldn't do any more sleepless nights. I couldn't do any more. I couldn't read over my emails a thousand times to make sure that all of the grammar was correct, to make sure that whoever was reading the email, it didn't come off too aggressive. Like, I, was like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm literally like having a panic attack yeah. over emails. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And how I might be perceived in an email. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. You
0: this know, is not my life. Right. It's it's one thing when, like, you're experiencing burnout from, like, the toxic work culture or toxic people that you work with. But it's almost like a whole other level when you go through that identity crisis where it's, like, your identity lo- no longer matches what you're doing. It's, like, who when who you are and what you do no longer make a match, that's, like... That's when you have to make a choice to either continue living out the rest of the next 30 years of your life doing something that you already know deep down inside that is not meant for you versus to say, okay, yes, this is going to be like scary as shit, but I'm going to take this other path that's available to me over here or that I'm going to create as I go and make it up as I go along, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to, at the very least, be able to step into a version of me where what I do and who I am finally match up again which is what I love about your story.
1: Yeah, I do want to add too for people that are listening. um, Although it was kind of like, I would say like an impulse moment to get up and walk away. Mm -hmm. I already, I already had a desire to leave. It just kind of took me several years to muster up the courage to get up and go. Yeah, but In that time period, what I did start to do, I started to save and make sure that I had like some money to the side. Yeah. So that I could be in a place where like if I needed to get up and go, like I have set myself up Mm -hmm. um, to do that. And I also want to add to in that moment when I did do that transition, I kind of set myself up so that I could do some consulting work for the team to be able to hire my replacement. So I just want to share this too for people that are in a space where they do feel burnt out. Like at least for me, like I knew that I needed to have like some form of security around me. And so like, if you, if you're in that place, begin to build security around yourself so that you can feel comfortable enough to get up and go, whether it's by impulse or whatever, but have some security around you.
0: Exactly. That's what you need. It's, it's still going to be scary as shit to take the leap, right? But at least it okay. becomes a little bit less scary when you know you have at least some sort of safety net to back you up until you can kind of really step into that new version of you, right? Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about the fun stuff now. So you've really, you know, you've yeah. made this shift. You've, you know, stepped into this more authentic version of you in this new identity. Um, And we're gonna talk a little bit about the Airbnb and the um, off-grid eco-sanctuary in Honduras in just a moment. But before that, I wanna dive in with you because I think that this is um, really inspirational. I think a lot of people are gonna resonate with this in terms of just like, you you really did make like a 180, right? You went from living in the US, living in New York City, nonetheless, to living in Honduras, right? You made a Mm -hmm. pretty large move, literally, what were some of the biggest shifts that you've now seen in yourself though?
1: Mm. So I would say the one of the biggest shifts that I've seen within myself is separating myself from my job title. Mm. Um, so I think about when you go to the dinner parties and you're meeting people and people ask, who are you? What do yeah. you do? Um, and I feel like before I used to take a lot of pride in the things that I did you know I was able to say like I'm a director of recruitment I work for so and so company here's my business card and um stepping away from that was it was a bit of a huge like shift for me and yeah. moving into a space where I can be really proud of my own entrepreneurship and the work that I do today and say like oh I'm a freelancer I I do freelance recruitment work and partnership management, but I'm also building this beautiful eco B&B in Honduras and boom, it's a conversation starter. And it's something that like people are really interested in, but I felt like mentally initially, I didn't believe that that would be something people would be interested in, especially at least in my case, I feel like I know a lot of people that are really phenomenal human beings, overachievers and work for these really great companies and all of these different things. And so I feel like there's a lot of that that kind of shows up in spaces where folks kind of size each other up. Yeah. And so mentally, I had to break myself out of that and really stand very deeply and being proud of just like who I am as a being. Like I used to tell people sometimes like, I'm nothing. <laughs> so I said, like, Woody, who are you? I'd be like, I'm nobody. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm I am. I'm
0: stardust is. spinning on a globe. <laughs>
1: People we were like, oh, that's one of those like spiritual hippie people <laughs> over there. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she drinks kombucha. <laughs> uh, so I feel like that was like one piece, that breaking out of just this who I am question and not getting so freaked out when people ask me who I am. Um, yeah. and another, another piece I had to move through, and we were talking about this a bit earlier, but it's just like this idea of security. Um, when it comes to security, I think a lot of times when you do work these full-time jobs and you have a salary and you have healthcare, the thought of possibly losing that, um, you know, can be really scary. Um, and I think for me, I had to move through that. I had to navigate through that piece and recognize that like having a salary or having like a job is not a form of security at any point in time, you can lose your job. Mm Um, and, after I had left my role, like as a director of recruitment, I moved into an ed tech startup and I kind of did some work with the space. But during the pandemic, I had a moment where I actually lost my job. Mm-hmm. And in that moment I had to stop and pause and realize like, hey, having a salary is not necessarily a form of security. At any point yeah. in time, you could lose your job. Your security needs to come from like what you are internally, And your skills, that's where your security is actually going to come from, who you are as a person. And that's essentially how I ended up getting into freelance work was I lost my full-time job. And then people that I know that I used to work with before in the past started reaching out to me about opportunities. That's why you should always have good relationships with people. I will add, I never left the job and was like, fuck this place.
2: Right? Yeah. I
1: wouldn't do that. (laughs) I personally wouldn't do that. You always want to have great relationships with people, and I feel like that has been one of my saving graces, having good relationships with people. Um, And then I would also add, too, with the transition to Honduras, it took me some time to even tell people, like, hey, I'm in Honduras, because I got fearful that people would think, like, oh, she's on vacation. Uh, even as a free even as a freelancer like I got nervous to say like yeah I'm in Honduras and it's like so what yeah so many people are now doing jobs from other places right now
2: right yeah
1: okay you're now in Honduras that's fine and Mm -hmm. thus far it's been working out for me very well and I'm now it's so funny this contract that I have because I've done my work to just get comfortable with telling people where I was like I would make sure I have like before when I would do meetings I would make sure that I had like plain backgrounds I was like oh my god all the roosters roosting <laughs> right now people going to know I'm in another place right now I need people to think that I'm in Brooklyn New York <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny now because the contract that I'm doing right now which is really great I'm doing some recruitment work for um a collection of boutique um hotels right now. Mm-hmm. And I had the experience. They knew I was in Honduras. They were like, hey, we love what you're doing. Can you actually come out here for a few weeks and do some work here in person? And then you can just go back. Yeah. You could just go back to Honduras, but we'll pay for you to get out here. And I feel like I needed to have this experience so that I know that there's so many different ways of working that exist in the world.
0: Oh my gosh, yes.
1: A, a few years ago I never thought I would be in a position where someone could say like oh yeah, we'll pay for you to leave Honduras and we'll get you back there
0: too. Yeah, Don't worry about it. And yeah, it's like, you know, I know for myself too, and I'm sure this probably rings true for others out there as well, is like we get so stuck into this program that we are raised with again, where it's like you have to pick from this short list of degree options and the short list of career options that you're going to do for the next 30 years of your life. And nowadays it's like, you're a perfect example of this, where it's like, do something that you're passionate about, build that Airbnb eco uh sanctuary in Honduras. And also, by the way, you can also do freelance work on the side because you know that you're already good at it. And it's like when we when we keep ourselves confined to this belief in this program that like you have to stick to this one job for security for somebody else's goals and dream that's gonna provide you, you know, health insurance in your 401k, when in reality it's like, no. You can you can have five different jobs. You can do seven different things if you want. It's all up to you. This whole thing that you've learned in the past is all an illusion.
1: <laughs> it's it really all is an illusion. Re- and the work is breaking through the illusion. So yes. I, that's been my journey for like the last 3-4 years is breaking out of it and yep. really sitting deeply into who I am today uh-huh. and not apologizing for who I am now.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. That's I always say that. I'm like, y'all, wake up. The matrix is not happening out here. You're not chained to anything. The matrix is happening up here. And you gotta break what's going on up here if you're gonna make oh. any significant change in your life.
1: Yes, yes. That was the big one. Like that the matrix was inside of us. Yes, there are places where there's a stronger pull. Yeah. But essentially, like we're living in that. And I and I've said for the last few years, I've been on my own process of decolonizing myself. Um because yes. some things are not really fully happening externally. I have mm. now gotten, it's almost like, is this like Stockholm syndrome? I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> even saying the right term, but I basically have become my own oppressor a little bit.
0: Oh my gosh, There You're so right. That's a whole other podcast episode right there. We could spend a few hours talking about that. Um, mm-hmm. I want you to talk about this, what we talked about a little bit before, of this whole shift again of going from... You know, again, chasing the goal, trying to climb the ladder, trying to get the thing that's happening out here versus becoming really cognizantly aware of how it is that I want to feel and starting Mm -hmm. with the emotion first. Talk a little bit about your journey and that kind of realization for you and that shift for you.
1: So for me, what I realized, so initially I was working as a director of recruitment before I went to an ed tech startup. And I remember there was a point in time where I was like, I just want more freedom. You know, I want to have location freedom. I want to be able to go to Mexico and do work. Mm -hmm. And so it just so happens that like, because I was saying this, I manifested a job that was remote and this was pre pandemic. So I started Mm -hmm. working remote and working on zoom and I had freedom and I had the free time, but then I realized because I was already kind of like in this pattern of, overworking myself in order to prove that I was worthy of being in a space that I was just kind of recreating some of the same structures that I was trying to move away from. Um, and so I ended up at another job, but even though like the work, the work experience was better and it was a little bit more balanced, I was still in a place where I I was overworking in order to, in order to, to feel like I was worthy of being there. Mm. And so, through that realization what I realized was that this was something I was like now internally doing this to myself and where I needed to focus in more was in how do I want to feel while I'm doing all of this
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: that has been like a huge focus with the work that I've done with my freelance work and then also building out this eco B. there's so many times where I find myself feeling like, oh my God, like I need to be a girl boss and
2: mm-hmm. I need to post
1: content. I need to post content every day and go live and yeah. do this. If I want to actually make sales and people for people to know about me. And it's like, no, like you actually are trying to move away from that. Yes. That's not your lane. That's not who you want to be in the world. That's not the way that you want to work. Oh, so, so good. don't, don't go into this and recreate something recreate the same thing that you were moving away from. And I feel like social media is at that place right now where it's so easy to now get caught up in the title and who you're supposed to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're not careful of it, you're going to end up in the same thing that you actually trying to move away from. So I've just been really sitting deeply into that where it's like, what kind of, how do I want to live my life? And it's like, I want to be able to go on a two hour walk every day. Yeah. Uh, I want to be able to sit down and have a meal with my friends and like really taste every single bite and enjoy every bite that I'm tasting. Um, I want to be able to answer emails and not have a panic attack while I'm answering emails. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to <laughs> I want to answer them with ease. I want to answer them with love and not feel like I need to wear a mask or say things within a certain manner.
2: Yeah.
1: I, you know, I want to continue to be respectful and continue to be loving, but I want to have a slower pace of life. Nothing is that deep.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's where I sit with. I'm like, nothing is that deep. The things will get done.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I feel like for me, spending time in Honduras has really moved me into that space. And just in general, like one thing I noticed, um, especially being abroad and in Latin America, between 12 and two o'clock don't expect shit to happen because people are doing siesta and i had to learn to calm myself down because i would have moments with my contractors where i'm like oh my (laughs) god like i told people that the junior suites were gonna be ready by march and it's not done and it's like yo people are taking care of their families yeah people are sitting down eating meals like
0: Oh man! Leave can you that, imagine leave that New
1: York City stuff over there? <laughs> right. I was
0: gonna say, like, can you just imagine if that shit were to come to the U.S.? Like, all right, everybody, time to put it on your calendar from twelve to two. It is siesta time. We are not doing a damn thing. Oh, how we oh. would our our entire world would be completely different. Oh, oh I, I think
1: people would be less stressed, but also to like that initial shift
0: oh yeah nobody would actually be able it's to hard. do it we would all sit down and try to rest and we'd be like wait a second why am i not doing anything right now
1: <laughs> i am not worthy
0: yeah <laughs> my I'm self-worth is going down rest. the drain uh, okay so i know here's the question that i'm dying to know and i'm sure everybody else is dying to know right let's get into like um what does a day in the life look like for you when you are in honduras and you are in this beautiful sanctuary you i looked on your website you are like what just a few blocks from the beach you have these beautiful environments all around you like walk us through besides siesta time what does a typical day look like for you now
1: yeah so typical day i usually wake up without an alarm I wake up naturally.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm getting up around like five, six o'clock in the morning. I usually hear roosters. And that's the first thing that's waking me up. Um. Now when I get up, instead of like feeling anxiety around like, Oh, my God, did I answer an email? I actually first start off with gratitude. And I thank God that I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of lay in my bed. And I just feel like the sheets and I'm like, Oh, these sheets are so nice. This bed is so nice.
0: You just gave me the chills.
1: This got guy be like, "Oh, this feels so nice." Um I get up slowly, I go and I take a shower, uh, then I go and take a walk, and I go walk to the beach. Mm. I come back and I make a smoothie when I get back in. I might do some movement and do some yoga, and then from there, like I usually start my mornings pretty slow. So I would say about I usually I'm dedicating about like two to three hours to just myself and getting myself mentally well. Yeah. And then from there, I open up my computer. I'll do some freelance work, whatever I have going on. Um, If I have to do some work for the website, I'll do some work on the website. I'll connect with different folks and people that could be potential clients. But I allow myself to do when it comes to just like time on a computer, I'm doing about two to three hours. Mm -hmm. on the computer if there's some extra stuff I might need to do maybe two to five but then after that I take another walk I go walk back to the beach or I walk through this area that I call the enchanted forest
0: oh I think I've seen this in your tiktok
1: (laughs) yeah I walk through the enchanted forest then I come back and I make like a beautiful plant-based meal Mm. in the home I connect with people and I just kind of take it easy I look outside I lay on a hammock I eat tons of fruits. There's tons of beautiful fruit trees on the space. And so when people do come to the property, I have a suggested schedule that they can follow. Uh But I let people know, like, this is a time for you to disconnect. And initially, it might, depending on what kind of lifestyle you're used to, this might be uncomfortable for you.
2: Mm -hmm. You might
1: feel like you need to do a bit more. Where it's like, no, you can just go out in the garden. You can just walk through the village and connect with people in the community. Help somebody out. Somebody might be out washing clothes, like, and people wash clothes by hand um, in the village that I'm in. So it's like you could support somebody. Somebody might be building a house. Go out and just go on an adventure and see where life takes you.
2: Yeah. Um, But
1: that's essentially how I'm running most of my days. Um, In the evenings, I like to spend my time. I, men- I know we kind of connected a bit about this, about human design. I'm really mm-hmm. into human design. And I think one of the most beautiful journeys any human being can embark upon is the journey to know themselves very deeply.
2: Oh
0: my gosh, um, yes.
1: Yeah, so I'm really big on human design and astrology and numerology and um, Ayurvedic practices and stuff. And so I usually spend some time kind of reading up on that, watching different Mm -hmm. YouTube videos and just kind of contemplating my day and really sitting into how am I living in Eden? How am I living in utopia? What's the process of that?
0: Yeah, And just sitting
1: deeply into that.
0: Yeah. I think one Mm -hmm. of the big things for me over this past, just like six months or so, even after I left uh, full-time work is really checking in with myself multiple times a day to say, is what I'm doing right now fostering the way that I want to feel right now? Mm. Um, it's been so huge for me because I'll catch myself. I'll catch myself sitting there and saying, okay, I'm going to take a break for a second. And then I'll, you know, turn on something on YouTube or on TV where I'm like, wait a second. Why am I watching this right now? This is not how I want to be feeling. And then I catch myself. I turn it off. But it's that awareness that has just, oh my gosh, it's been a game changer for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big one for me.
0: Um, so, I want you to share a little bit about the actual eco sanctuary. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm going to try to say it correctly. Nuguchu. Is that correct?
1: So, it's
0: Nuguchu. Nuguchu.
1: And yeah, Nuguchu. Um, the space that is inspired by mothers. Um, I look at it as like my ode to Mother Nature and an ode to the way that I wanted. I want to live in the world. Yeah, I feel like I spent so many, so many years, like railing on capitalism and white supremacy and climate catastrophe. And I had a moment where I was like, how do you want to live in the world? Mm. What kind of experience do you want to have? And Eden kept coming up. Like, I want to go back to the garden of Eden. I want to experience Nirvana. Yeah. And so this space is my form of Nirvana my creation of Eden um and this is the reality of how i want everyone to live and how i want everyone to be in the world and so i think there's a moment where you could spend a lot of time kind of just like complaining and spending a a huge amount of space in the problem i want to spend my time living in the solution
2: oh yes
1: um, and so this space is a form of being in the solution and so i think a lot about when people go out and travel and they go to different places it's often like you travel because you're trying to disconnect from your old life, yeah. but you're also in a space where um, you are being served when you come into that location. Mm -hmm. Um, When I created this space, I created it from a place of what would it look like to do slow travel, but then to also be in a space where you are giving, but you're also receiving. And so anytime, yeah. So it's like anytime people show up to the space, like, you're also supporting Indigenous communities when you come to the space. It's located in an Indigenous village. I'm an Indigenous woman myself. Um, Everything everything that was built within the location, it was built very thoughtfully, but it was also from a space of creating opportunities for folks that are in the village. And so I know a lot of times when people do think of Honduras, people don't often think about the beautiful nature that's there, the beautiful beaches, the beautiful people. A Mm -hmm. lot of it is rooted in poverty or immigration and all of these different things. And I feel that part of the reason, like a lot of this stuff exists is because we're not in a place where, um, we're giving and receiving in a balanced way.
2: Um,
1: and so my hope is that when people do show up to the space that they're one, like, taking the time to disconnect from their world, but then you're also giving. Um, You can go to like a huge large resort and have a wonderful time there. But if you like really sit down and you talk to the people working at the resorts, especially when you go to Latin America, you'll realize that people are not actually getting paid living wages when they're there. Um, You'll also realize that even a lot of the food and stuff like that, it's not coming from local farmers. It's not coming from local spaces. Mm. And right now for every hundred dollars people spend abroad, usually only five of those dollars go back to local communities. Oh, wow. um, so part of my work with building this is, yes, it's a place to retreat. It's a place to disconnect. But you're also giving back to communities. Too. Yeah. You're supporting local people. And it's just a different way of traveling. So I always tell people, like, if you're going to have privilege, use your privilege in support of other people. and for us as a collective i think we're now moving into the space where we want to become more thoughtful about supply chains yeah like it's not enough to just keep purchasing and purchasing from spaces that you know are exploiting people
2: mm-hmm.
1: like i hate carnival cruises like that's. <laughs> i'm sorry if, if you were ever looking for them to be a sponsor I'm <laughs> <laughs> but i'm like yo they throw mad waste into the ocean yeah <laughs> They're not paying their workers well, like there's just a whole bunch of different things, and I'm like we're now in a place where if we're anti capitalist, if that is something that folks stand for, if we're in a place we want to be a part of the new world, then we have to we have to demand better better from these companies,
0: yeah, oh. You are so yeah. right. Gosh, we need this. We need this energy more. We need. Now, I'm not saying that you should ever come back to the U S. because you really probably shouldn't. But <laughs> oh man, we need more of that here.
1: <laughs> so I don't feel like so. I'm not in a place necessarily where I'm like anti-American. I, I fully understand that part of the reason I could even do the work that I'm doing is because I have access to the U S. dollar. I'm yeah. very. I'm very aware of that. I'm just in a place where. We should do better. And part of the way that we're able to do better is by being cognizant of how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. Like I look at the shift in I look at the shift in uh dairy products. Like more people have started to consume like more like plant-based milk. Yeah. So you've seen the dairy industry just kind of like decrease. That's a whole nother conversation because <laughs> I do think that like there's a way to shift society without actually harming farmers. Mm-hmm. So I'm cognizant of that mo- movement, but I do believe that like we have the power to actually change what a lot of these corporations are doing yeah. by the way we spend our money. So we decided, you know, hey, we're yeah. not gonna give we're not gonna give our money to huge corporations that are exploiting people we yep. want something different eventually they would change some of their practices right um and that's what i i'm kind of playing in that experiment right now
0: yeah yeah and, and the conversation's just getting started right it's like we mm-hmm. we haven't even tapped into the the full potential of where this conversation can lead so yeah um Luisa, I am just in love with your story. Um, I am, once I make it big out there one of these days, I'm coming down to Honduras. And even if I don't make it big, I might just come on down because this place sounds absolutely freaking amazing. And I absolutely love your story of what you're doing with it. So tell everybody a little bit more about where they can find out more about you, where they can find out more about the Eco Sanctuary.
1: Yeah, so you can check out the website. It's called nouguchu.com And Nuguchu translates to my mother and Garifuna. Like I mentioned earlier, it's an OD to Mother Nature. Um, it's my love letter to nature. Uh. Um, nuguchu is spelled N-U-G-U-C-H-U.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also follow me on social media, and I know you'll probably have a link, but it's sexy sustainability. You can find me on TikTok and also Instagram. Um It's sexy to care about the earth. Uh, (laughs) That's very simple. It's very sexy to care about the earth. (laughs) Um, So that's always my huge push.
0: I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode than with that line right there. It is sexy to care (laughs) about the earth. Um, Louisa, yes. we're going to make sure to put that up. The links to your social media pages as well as the website. We'll put it up with the podcast so people can easily find you. But just want to thank you once again. Your energy, your spirit is so infectious and so inspiring. And I am really looking forward to seeing where this journey takes you next. So thank you so much oh. once again.
1: Thank you so, so much, Peter. The feeling is mutual. The work that you're doing is it's needed right now. Um, And I feel like we're kind of like in the beginning of what I jokingly call, like, I think people are saying this, but this is new earth energy where it's like, we're now kind of starting a precipice of like the four hour work week. And Mm -hmm. when people are starting now moving to doing the stuff that's like really rooted in their heart. And so I thank you for setting up and creating this space. And I also love our story. Like i reached out to you about what I was doing, but like, because we weren't friends on TikTok, and I'm still building up my following. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was absolutely floored and amazed when you reached out to me. Like, I was like, oh, my God.
2: <laughs> oh, stop.
1: This is my dream. I'm so serious. I'm so, 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 so serious. Like, it was a dream. And when I saw, like, what you were doing, like, I resonated with everything. And I was like, yes, oh, that's me. I was burnt <laughs> out. And now look.
0: I love it. <laughs> well so the honor and privilege me. is all mine Louisa um you yeah. are a pleasure to speak with and I hope that we can continue this conversation and heck who knows we might have to have you back on because I can imagine people are definitely going to be resonating with your story for sure so
1: oh it will be an honor it will be an honor we're we starting the trend right now yeah. the reset is happening
0: it's happening <laughs> Well, on that note, Louisa, thank you so much once again. And thank you all so much for listening in. If you liked what you heard today, be sure that you go to the website, www.themillennialreset.com, where you can subscribe for updates. And also be sure to share it out widely with all of your millennial besties so that we can give ourselves permission to create empowering change. Thank you all so much for tuning in and see you next time on The Millennial Reset. Hey millennial besties, if you're one of the millions of millennials experiencing burnout right now yes, we're officially being dubbed the burnout generation then it's important to know that number one, you're not alone and number two, there are solutions out there after years of struggling with burnout myself I discovered two very unconventional secrets that created a huge shift for me and that was human design and neuro-linguistic programming Human design allows you to get back in touch with your genetic blueprint and rediscover your most authentic identity, and neuro-linguistic programming gives you the tools to reprogram any limiting and sabotaging beliefs that may be holding you back from living out your true potential and identity. This unique combination and framework of human design and mindset work is what has allowed me and so many others to hit reset and start creating a life of less resistance and more ease and joy. So if you're wondering what you can do to get unstuck from the constant stress and anxiety of burnout mode, be sure to visit www.themillennialreset.com and start creating your plan to start living a life that happens for you instead of to you.